The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. just I know you're here I feel your presence I know that you are surrounding us because you promised us where two or more are gathered you are there also and so Father God I just ask that you use Michael and I as your instruments today Lord that anything we say that's from us that it be quickly forgotten but anything that comes from your spirit may it ring true in our hearts and our minds and our ears today in Jesus name Amen. And I, and I wanted to bring something out real quick. I know we don't normally, we, when we very first started the jar, we would use videos because we didn't have a band. And with Steve being on his honeymoon the next two weeks, that's kind of what we got. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think it's perfect timing as we were standing there praising because last week we talked about prayer, right? In your prayer closet. Yes. And... What I love, we are so blessed in this country to have YouTube and Spotify <laughs> and iHeart right. and all of those things because at our fingertips, unlike third world countries, when we want to go to our prayer closet, we pop up Brandon Lake anywhere we want and he brings us to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. And so I know it's kind of awkward because you know, it's easier to get more into it when it's a live somebody standing there on this you know on the platform but at the same time it, it's good practice for us exactly. right because then we can learn as we go into our prayer closet how to do that that it's just me and God and whatever form of music I mean I grew up with the hymns y'all yeah. I sung the hymns to my babies how great they art and um tis so sweet you know and I grew up with those and there are times in my prayer closet that's the song that comes to my mind doesn't have to be Brandon it can be how great thou art, right? And just give God all my praise. So I think it's actually kind of good that it fit, mm-hmm. that he's gone during this series, uh, not able to play for us the next two weeks because it gives us a chance to practice that together corporately. Yeah, Amen. because we, what, we, what we're really looking at is how we can individually, for ourselves, let God work through us and increase our faith. And that's important for us to know because we never know. I mean... In 2020, they shut down a lot of Sunday gatherings, and all of a sudden, we had to figure out what our faith meant to us. And so this is one way for us to make sure that we stay fresh, even if we aren't able to make it there on a Sunday or gather for some reason, um, then we can still do that. So the question we're asking, this is a disciple-making question. It's about us helping you become disciples, but also you becoming disciple-makers. And the question we've been asking is, am I fervently pursuing my faith? That's the first question that we can ask ourselves to get ourselves started. And the reason we're starting there is because that prayer is that, is that foundation 
that allows us to have that relationship with God. And our, our hope is that you learned a lot last week about how to make that a part of your um, a part of who you are. This week we're, we're talking about something entirely uh, different, and it's something that we don't normally hear sermons on, but um, I thought of this perfect story to, to get us started. Um, my wife, Gary, and I were at, um, it was Christmas, 1999, and her brother got us a Walmart gift card for, I can't remember how much it was, but it was a good sum of money. We were very pleased by that, and he was like, I don't know what to get the family, so I just got this for the family. So. We went to, what are we going to do to get for the family? And so we went to Walmart and we, we walked around for a while, but we kind of had an idea in our heads what we might do. And we ended up in the camping aisle. And we got propane, propane tanks and a little stove for it. We got a Back tent. We to actually sleep in a tent. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. That's, those <laughs> days are past. Little. Those days are past. Really little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we got a tent, we got uh, just all kinds of flashlights, we got you know, the little uh, lantern and everything. Like We had loaded up a grocery cart full of camping stuff. Wow. And we're walking toward the aisle, and as we're walking by people, people are looking at us, and some of them are kind of chuckling and looking, and we're like, what's funny about camping? We, we're, we get to the front aisle, we're standing in line, and people are looking at us, and like, what's going on? We can't figure it out. And suddenly it dawned on me. Before COVID-19, before the housing bubble of 2008, before the planes hit the towers, there was such a thing as Y2K. Do you remember that? We were all scared to death that the world was going to end because all of the computer coders had forgotten that it might not always be the century that starts 19 something. And when it would switch over, they were worried that all the computers were gonna shut down. The grid was gonna stop, everything. Like people were freaking out. And here we are a few days before New Year's Eve, 1999, getting camping equipment. And they were sure we were survivalists. They were sure, they completely <laughs> misunderstood what we were doing. They thought, these guys think the world's ending and they're getting ready for it. That's not what we were doing. It looked like that. I mean, I, I completely understand. It looked like that's what we were doing. It's not what we were doing. Because there was something uh, true in us. We believe that there might be some glitches. But we did not believe it was the end of the world. Because we know when the end of the world happens, that's when Jesus comes back. And so Jesus, we didn't see Jesus on the horizon. We figured everything was okay. And we would probably wake up on New Year's Day 2000 and everything would be all right. <laughs> We were preparing for fun. We were preparing for a different part of our lives, but everybody thought we were preparing for the end. Well, we're talking about a topic today that might be misunderstood. Uh, it's a part of, I, I think uh, we're gonna show you in scripture that Jesus kind of expected this would be a part of what we do. It's just not what we do very much here in America and, and really very many places around the world. And that is, if we're gonna be fervent in pursuing our faith, then we need to ask ourselves the question, what, what is, what is, what, where does fasting fit in? And fa fasting isn't practiced very often today. Fasting is not something we talk about very much. And, and I understand because we have been inundated with this message that if you don't get three meals a day with your recommended daily allowance, with all of the things that are you, you're in trouble. Now, some of us lived lives where we didn't get three meals a day. And it turns out we still grew up 
and things still worked, right? But fast, so fasting is not just doing without, because some of us have to do without because we can't, we didn't have any choice. Some of us were in that place. I like to say it this way. I grew up on government cheese. All right, that's the best stuff. That's, good, that's better than Velveeta. That government cheese was something else. But you know, there were just some times where there was too much month at the end of our, my mom's money. And we got to eat what we got to eat when we got to eat it. And I remember being with my dad for a while and we had, every morning we had Quaker oats in the morning, we had hot dogs at lunch, and then they put little, uh, rolled little biscuits into a chicken noodle soup, Campbell's chicken noodle soup in the evening. And we had to, yeah, chicken and dumplings. We had that every day for a whole summer one time. And, and that's just what we had, right? Doing without isn't about a health issue or anything like that. It's about a spiritual issue. It's something that we can do to fervently pursue our faith. Before we go, though, there's something that we need to really consider. We always do a consider question, and this is our consider question today. Can we do spiritual things for selfish reasons. Just think about that for about 10 seconds and then we'll take a look at the scripture. All right, we are gonna be in Matthew chapter six today. Matthew chapter six, if you don't have your Bibles, you can uh, grab a Bible from underneath the table. Um, if you don't own a Bible, that one is for you to take with you. It is our free gift to you. Um, you can also pull up the Bible on your phone on an app. It's a free app called UYOU Version. You can download that app and then you can look at um, any scriptures that you want. Also, too, what I love about U Version is they have um, all of the studies and devotionals and prayer journals. and just It's just a really great app. So I encourage you to get that. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Now, last week we talked about prayer and we talked about how... Um, these three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the longest uh, sermon that Jesus gives that's recorded, okay? And so we are still in the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll notice that prayer is right above that, and then we're going to go into, your, your, your Bible may say something about fasting up above, in, go, starting in uh, verse 16. Um, and so basically Jesus is talking about the traits of a disciple, Right? What is a disciple? A follower of me. And so he's talking about those traits. And he's talking about when you do these things, God is going to bless you as his disciple, as his daughter, as his, his son. Um, and so that's what we're getting ready to talk about today. One of those traits is fasting. And he, he did this, if you notice, in, the, in chapter 6, he starts talking about giving. Then he starts talking about praying. Then he starts talking about fasting. And those were considered by the Jews the three holiest activities you could do at that time. And so what he's doing is he's coming against, remember, he says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be more righteous than the Pharisees. And so what he's doing is he's taking those three holy activities and he's saying, they do this, but it's not enough just to do it. You can't do it for selfish reasons, and you, you have to do it in a way that you might be misunderstood. But this is what it looks like to be the kind of disciple I am calling. So we're going to start in verse 16. If you're there, say amen. amen. Awesome. And so verse 16 starts out, and when you fast. And notice Jesus doesn't say, and you have to fast. Right. And he doesn't say, if you fast. Right. 
He says, when you fast, right? So it's something that he just assumes mm -hmm. if you're going to be my disciple, it's something for you to consider, okay? It says, so, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So those hypocrites are the Pharisees, right? They would stand outside, they would put on torn clothes, dirt all over their faces, and they would repeat themselves over and over and over again like we talked about last week with prayer, right? Repetitive, over and over and saying the same things. And they basically wanted everybody to see that I am fasting and that I am basically better than you, <laughs> okay? So that's what they're doing. And so he's saying, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Um, now here's the thing. Fasting was mandatory for the Jewish people once a year. They were required. And their definition of fasting was actually food and water, not just food. Wow. They would do it okay. for the whole day on the Day of Atonement. Right. Um, but the Pharisees, which is the hypocrites he's describing here, actually, they voluntarily fasted twice a week. But they did it not because they were trying to impress God, but because they were trying to impress everyone around them and show how holy they were. I feel like right here, this... I think this is important because this is how it happens. So I don't believe that they originally said, hey, let's fast twice a week so everyone will see how holy we are. That's not how it started. How it started was that they wanted to get closer to God. Right. But as they continued to do it and then taught others to do it somewhere, have you, have you ever played the telephone game where you start out saying one thing and, and you whisper yes. in someone's ear and about the fifth or sixth person, the, the message is completely different. I think that's what's happened here is the message has become completely different. And instead of trying to reach God, they are now trying to show how holy they are to everyone else. Mm -hmm. That isn't just fasting. That isn't just prayer. That can be singing songs on Sunday. It can be meeting on Sunday. It can be having a small group. It can be Bible study. It can be anything. When we get to the place where we're doing it so that others see it, the, God says the, the reward you get, the reputation you get for that, that's all you get from it, is that people will think you're holy, but you don't get any relationship with me out of that. Right? Right. So beginning in verse 17, Jesus says, but when you fast, so he's going to tell us now what to do, right? But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, one of the other passages that I want us to talk about um, today is Isaiah 58. Yes. So if you guys could turn to Isaiah, you're going to go left into the Old Testament. As you're going left, it, you're going to get to it before you get to the Psalms. So if you got to the Psalms, you went too far. If you're in the Psalms, turn right, because Isaiah is after that. Okay. So and while, while you're looking at that, just recognize that and what, what God is saying is, nobody needs to know. This isn't about anybody else but you and God. Nobody needs to know what it is that you're doing. So comb your hair and wash your face. In other words, only tell the people who absolutely have to know. If I'm going to fast, I should probably tell my wife so she doesn't make a big dinner expecting to also feed me, right? Okay. So I find it interesting here. What's happened is the Pharisees... When we, when we read Isaiah 58, what you're going to see is the Pharisees have actually fallen into the same trap 
that the Israelites had fallen into. Was it Israel? Yes. Mm-hmm. Back in Isaiah. I don't know why I second-guessed myself there, but I did. <laughs> um, Isaiah chapter 58, we're going to see what they were doing. So basically in Isaiah 58, the people of Israel were coming to the temple every day. And basically God says they were pretending to want to be near me. But that's not why they were coming. They were doing what the Pharisees were doing. It was almost out of, it could have been out of tradition. It could have been out of ritual. Or it could have been out of, oh, hey, look at me. I'm doing this. Right. Richard Foster also says it could have been because they thought if they did this, they could make God do something. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for us to take spiritual things and think that they are the, the conduit to make God do something. Mm-hmm. So in verse 3 of Isaiah 58, it says, we have, this is Israel, Israelites talking to God, we have fasted before you. Why, why aren't you impressed? <laughs> you just imagine saying that to God. Hey, I've been fasting for you. Why aren't you impressed? (laughs) So God says, I'll tell you why. (laughs) It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. And then in verse later on, in verse four, he says, this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord. So they have done, here we are, you know, hundreds of years later, and the Pharisees are doing exactly what the Israelites had done in 58, okay? Because that's typically what we do as human beings. We keep coming back to the same sins. We keep coming back to the same mistakes. Um, And that's the story of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. God gives us every chance to do it ourselves. You can have judges, you can have kings, you can have nations, you can have tribes, you can have a free people, and it doesn't matter. You keep messing it up. No. You need a savior. That's why Jesus came. everybody thinking it's Y2K, but really you're doing it for another reason. So do you think that Carrie and I put everything back up since everybody thought we were doing something wrong? No, we went ahead and bought our tent equipment, didn't we? Because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. That's a great point, Kaylee, because this is something that we have to get past in our spiritual walk. And because that's what I think part of what some of the Jews were falling into was they were people pleasers. They were doing what they felt like was necessary for the people to believe that they were worthy of the leadership that they got instead of relying on God to have that connection with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Good question. So then, so he's talking about this right? This fasting will never get you anywhere. And then starting in verse six, he switches it. And he said, this is the kind of fasting that I want. And this is the Lord talking, right? Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. 
Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. And what's it say? He will quickly reply. Mm, I like that. Quickly reply. Then further on at 10, it says, then, verse 10, then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Or as we like to say it here at the jar, an yeah. overflowing yeah. jug. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. An overflowing jar. We've talked about that before, where the, the water just keeps, we keep filling it and we keep emptying it. We keep filling it and we keep emptying it. Right? Mm -hmm. Then in verse 12, some of you will rebuild the, de the deserted ruins of your cities. And then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. We're going to talk about the jar as a church during pizza with the pastors today. But let me tell you something right now. That is what God has shown us yeah. in this place. Yeah. This passage is for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are serving the homeless. We are clothing people with the clothes closet. We are asking God to fill our jars to overflowing. And we are asking him to fill us so that we can empty for others. And what is the promise when we do that? What does he say? I will rebuild the deserted ruins of your city. And then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. So I want to encourage you guys, even if you're attending another church and you come here as a secondary church, that's okay. Be a part of what we're doing here. Because this is what God has shown us. Yes. Before we ever step foot into Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. This is what he's shown us. And I think it's so exciting to see this in the word and what God promises us. And then it says in verse 14, then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor, Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mm. Amen. Yeah, it's good stuff. We, we um, one of our favorite phrases here is that we are filled to be emptied. So here's how fasting fits into that. I've got to empty myself so that God can fill me. So that when I empty myself for others, I'm emptying with his power and his love and his grace and not just mine. Look, we can all be nice people on our own, but we are going to find that there are times when we just don't feel like being nice. When we just don't, there are certain people we just don't want to be nice to. There are certain situations that cause us greater stress and we would rather do the shortcut and not be nice, right? There are some of us who love the idea of a lot of the social justice ideas out there today. We need to feed the homeless. We need to help the addicts. We need, people can do that without God. But the problem is that eventually they will run, and not just run out of steam, but they'll make wrong decisions on how to help because they don't recognize that what they really need at the end of the day is Jesus to get them started, get them moving. That's why in God's recovery, we focus on that because we, on Thursday nights, we want people to know that you start with Jesus. What's the question? Right. Um, and this is the same thing. We, we realize that we've got to start with Jesus. What's the question? So we believe in all of those social justice things, but they should come out of a heart that is devoted to Jesus 
not devoted to making ourselves look good, and not just devoted to making them feel better, but to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right. And we've taught here before, those of you who've been with us for a while, when we, especially when we were going through the book of John, when Jesus heals someone, he doesn't just mm. heal their physical needs. Mm, that's right. He also heals their spiritual needs, and it's very important to him. So like Michael said, I mean, I'm a social worker. Mm -hmm. I'm a social worker. That's my other job. And so I am all about social justice, 110%. At the same time, though, I bring God with me wherever I go in this job. Because I know that physical is only one of three things that makes us who we are. Mind, body, spirit. So we can feed people all day long and we can clothe people all day long. But if their spirits and their hearts aren't right and their minds are not renewed, then all we're doing is touching the physical. Right. We're not touching the whole person. Right. Yeah. And that's what we want to do here at The Jar. It's not just about giving them a slice of pizza. Yeah. It's yeah. also about who is God? What does God mean to me and what do I mean to him? Okay? Right. And I love what Richard Foster says. He says, fasting and worshiping must be said in the same breath. Oh yeah. Okay. So when you're, if you choose to fast, you're doing that out of reverence to God, solely to glorify Him. And as Jesus says, nobody else needs to know that except the people that you're close to who need to know. Right. Right. In case something medically might go wrong with that, which right. hopefully it won't. Right. But to be smart, to be wise, right? You tell your, your spouse or your best friend or your neighbor or, what, or whoever, but the only person you have to tell. But nobody else needs to know that because it's, it's a very intimate thing between you and God. Just like we talked about prayer last week, there's corporate prayer, right, that we all do together when we gather, but there's also that prayer closet, that intimate time with God when we pray to him and we ask him to do things in our lives that maybe nobody else knows about. Mm -hmm. Fasting is the same one. And there's okay? so much more that we could teach on fasting that we just don't have time for today. We're just giving you the basics. We are going to have a handout at the end that helps you if you decide this is something you want to try. But there are just there are some things that we have to just, just let you know right up front. The first one is, if you're diabetic, if you have heart issues, if you're pregnant, if you're, there, there are certain things where it's probably not a good idea for you to do without nutrition for right. a period of time. Right. Um, it may actually have an adverse effect on you physically, which will ruin whatever spiritual uh, mm -hmm. benefit that you were going to get. And so if you have a medical condition and you are concerned about that, talk to your doctor, because believe it or not, your doctors will see some physical um, benefit to fasting, and they will be able to tell you how to do it well if you want to fast from food. Um, but uh, we want you to know that right up front, that we're, what we're not saying is if you're not fasting, you're not a good Christian. Right. Jesus didn't say you must fast. Right. right. But he didn't say if you fast. He kind of expected that there would be a fasting. So we're going to talk a little bit about the three questions you can ask yourself if you are thinking about fasting. And I think the, by answering those, it will answer some of the questions that you may have. Okay. So. Uh, question number one is, why am I fasting? If fasting isn't just something you wake up in the morning and decide you're going to do. Fasting is something that you talk to God about and you say, God, 
there is something going on in my life. Is this a time that I need to fast? And so we created this uh, sheet for you. One of the things we put down were different reasons for fasting. You don't have to write them down, but I do want you to listen to them and see if God's speaking to you right now about this being something important that you need to fast about. It may be to strengthen prayer. It may be to seek God's guidance on something. It may be to express grief. There's, it's actually a, a benefit to you spiritually and physically if you're going through something, you're grieving something. Maybe to express grief. It may be to seek deliverance or protection from something. It may be to express repentance and to return to God because there's something in your life that's an habitual sin. It may be to humble yourself before God, and that's all. I just, I, God, I just want to be close to you, and I want you to know that I'm willing to submit to you, and this is a way for me to do that. It may be to prepare and receive power in your ministry. It may be that there is something that's, that's going on in your ministry, and this has often been, when, when I've fasted, this has often been it. I either have a decision make going into ministry, or there is something that God is doing, and I don't completely understand it, but I know it's going to affect the ministry that I'm doing, and I'll go into a fast, just seeking his, his voice as I go through that. It may be to minister to the needs of others. I may fast so that what I'm fasting from, I use to help others in the situation that they are in. It may be to dedicate yourself to God or overcome temptation. Or one of my favorites is just to express love and worship to the God of the universe. Those are reasons to fast. And, and there are probably another dozen or two dozen. There isn't a wrong reason to fast as long as what you're trying to do is get close to God by doing it. If you are fervently pursuing your faith by fasting, you are probably in the right place. It's okay. This is, a, this is a tough topic. I'm full of questions tonight. Okay, so last week our topic was on fervent prayer. This right. week our topic is on fasting. Right. So if, if you're in the process of praying to God, can you also fast too? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, they should be connected. Absolutely. Part of the idea of fasting is to be in communication and communion with God. And you hear from him yeah. and to also have some clarity about what it is you need to say to him. Um, you know, it, Romans 8 says there are times that he says, Paul just says it this way. You don't even know what to pray. So the spirit groans for you because you don't even know. Well, so one of the ways to focus your mind and get to know is by fasting. And so that's something that, um, that that's something that should be connected to each other. Yeah. And I know I said that <clears throat> fasting is a very intimate thing to do, but I just it just, just popped in my head. There is time for corporate fasting as well. Oh, yes. Um, we know churches that we uh, very much support. They're ministering what they're doing, and the entire church has fasted together if they so chose. And I think there are times in ministry where that is appropriate. Right. <clears throat> so I just wanted to bring that out. But right. the next question we're asking is, what am I fasting? And I think this is really important. Um, to go along with some of Kaylee's questions. Fasting doesn't always have to be food. Although food was what, food and water is what the Jews did, you can also, there's other things that you can fast from, okay? Right, yes. so there's things like media, mm -hmm. social media, technology, right. entertainment, uh, comforts like sugar or caffeine. Coffee, Diet Coke. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> Addictions. 
right? Or even sometimes you're fasting because of a bad attitude, right? I'm, I'm not going to complain for 24 hours. Try that one. Just try that one. I'm not going to get angry for the next three days. I'm going to fast from that. I'm going to fast from being impatient. You know, I feel like God's not answering me. And I'm, I am trying to, to deal with that. And so I'm being impatient and I recognize that in myself. And so I'm going to fast for the next 24 to 72 hours because I need to give up my impatience. I need to give up self so that God can speak to me. Right? And that's where that prayer and fasting comes that, together. Yes. And that's, that gives a hint of the value of fasting right there. So if I'm fasting from being impatient and I find myself getting impatient, have I just messed up? That's not the point. The point isn't to not be impatient for that three days. The point is the minute you start feeling impatient, what do you do? You take the time you would normally <coughs> spend with your impatience and you spend that time with God. Right. Now, if it's food, what that means is at your meals, you shouldn't just skip your meals. You should be spending time in the Word. You should be listening to music that, that glorifies Him. You should be uh, praying to Him and those kinds of things. You, you're filling that time that you would normally do that thing with that. That's why we added addictions because this is, this is a, a format that we can use to help someone break the cycle of addiction. Is Anytime that I feel a temptation to go back to that alcohol or go back to that drug, I'm going to stop and pray. And if you're an addict, I would suggest you not just stop and pray, but you stop and pray with someone who knows your situation where they can pray over you and with you and listen to you pray because there's value in you not trying to do this alone. Okay, and then the third question is how long am I fasting? You want to speak to that? Yeah, so especially if we're talking about food. Um, let me say this. If you're fasting from something besides food, it should not be for 24 hours. It should probably be for at least three days. Because fasting, you can do it. Try to ground your kids from something. After you ground them two or three times and you say, you can't have the computer for two days, they start going, okay, I can make two days. Right? You have to do it for a certain amount of time where it actually starts being difficult for you to do if it's not food. If it is food, I'm just going to be honest with you. You just need to do a couple of meals and it starts getting hard. The first three days is when hunger pangs really hit you the hardest. And so that's why uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of people who fast on a regular basis, they might fast once a, a day a month, something like that, for a while. It might eventually go to a day a week. But really going three days is when you actually start getting to the benefits of fasting. Your tongue starts getting coated. Your breath starts smelling because all the toxins that you've been putting in your body start coming out. Um, and so, so, but here's the thing, you have to decide before you fast, how long you're going to fast so that you can plan for it. I can't say, you know, I'm going to fast today and maybe tomorrow and maybe the day after that, because how I fast for three days is not the same as how I fast for one. So I've got to, I've got to be prepared for that. But it also means that I'm going to put myself in a state of submission to God. God, I feel like you're asking me to, to fast for three days. So I can't stop at three meals and say, I think I did good enough. I'm hungry now. I, I learned my lesson. It's time to go, right? If I, if I say, God, I'm going to fast for three days, then it makes it easy for me to stick to three days. I've just promised the king of the universe what I'm going to do, right? So how long you fast should be figured out before. 
And then as you fast, you just recognize your, that, that finish line is down the road. And so it actually, in some ways, after you've been doing it long enough, starts helping. So like, okay, I only have to make it three days is how it can feel that second day. Trust me, that second day, whew, you miss a couple of meals and you're like, you know, sometimes we do that anyway in our lives. We just, we're so busy. We just didn't get a chance to eat uh, dinner and we wake up in the morning too late to eat breakfast and lunch comes along and man, we are ravenous, right? Because our bodies are used to those three meals. You can do two meals. That's called a partial fast. 24 hours is a full fast. And if you do that, then you're actually getting to the place where you're realizing, man, I really need food. <laughs> I really need food. But that, the minute you start thinking that, what do you do? You go to the Lord and pray. You go to the Lord and tell him, God, Father, I promised you three days, and I promised you I would spend this time with you. So every time that, that hunger pang hits my stomach, I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to praise you somehow. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to say a psalm. I'm going to read the word out loud. I'm going to find a way to connect with you. I'm going to listen for a little while to what you have to say. That's another thing that you can do. Okay? But I want you to be careful. If you're going to fast from food, it is supernatural or at least crisis mode to fast without drinking water. Because you can do without water for about three days before you really start feeling the effects of the dehydration. You can fast from food. You don't think you can, but you can do that for 20 days and yeah. really be in pretty good shape. Yeah. But you can't do that with water. So you drink a lot of water as you're going. How long you fast also determines how you come off the fast. If you do three days or more, trust me, I'm telling you this from personal experience. After three days, you want to start with fruit juices. You don't want to start with eating stuff. You go from water to fruit juices and then maybe some yogurt and some pieces of fruit. And then the third day, you actually start eating meals because your body's going, what was that? And that's all in the handout. That's right. Actually, I go through the first 10 days in the handout of how your body reacts to your fasting. So how long I fast tells me what to expect from my body so that I can focus on the spiritual. Does that make sense? Now, there's a great example of someone figuring out uh, the three questions. Why am I fasting? What am I fasting? And how long am I going to fast in the scripture? Right? Okay. And also a great example of corporate fasting Yes. as well. I realized God gave that to me and I jumped That's in. Right. That's right. That's okay. <laughs> so the story of Esther in the book of Esther in the Old Testament. If you've never read that, that book, I encourage you to read it. It's one of the um, best stories in the scripture. Oh, it's like a novel. Yeah. It's got good guys, bad guys, and everything mm -hmm. in between. Mm -hmm. um, and God's name is never mentioned once throughout the entire book, but he is definitely in it the whole time. Right? It's just a great book to read. But the story of Esther begins during the Persian Empire around 470 BC. The story takes place inside the palace walls. The book of Esther begins by describing a scene when the queen, Queen Vashti, refused to obey an order from the king, King Xerxes. And she was forever banished. So he needed a new queen. Can't go without a queen. Gotta have a queen. So he summons all the young women of the land to, his, to become a part of his harem and to hopefully find a queen out of that. And Esther was one of these women. She was a Jewish woman, right, with God. And she won the favor of King Xerxes. And the Bible tells us that he loved her above all the other women. And so he made her his queen. In the meantime, Esther's cousin, 
Mordecai becomes a government official, but he refuses to bow to a man named Haman, who was second in command of the king. Haman was, uh, he, he liked himself a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Haman becomes so furious that he tricks the king into issuing a decree that will kill all of the Jews. And this is in the first four chapters of Esther, as the story goes. And Mordecai tells Esther and says, Mordecai comes to Esther and tells her the plan to kill all of the Jews. And he says that famous line to her, for those of us who are already believers, right? He says, <clears throat> who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Right? And in that moment, she chose to risk her life to save her people and go into the throne room of the king um, where he had the power to kill her immediately. He had already said any Jew is, is dead. So um, this is an opportunity for crisis, crisis fasting. But before she does this heroic deed, she turns to Mordecai and she says in the beginning of chapter 4, verse 16, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And then beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, On the third day of the fast, so they did it, the whole, all the Jewish people and her, on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the intercourt of the palace. And of course, we know how the story ends, right? God uses Esther to save her entire people with one courageous act. But she took the time to praise and pray to God through fasting because she knew what he had promised regarding fasting and prayer back in the passages in Isaiah. She knew that. She knew if she did fasting the right way, what did Isaiah, right, for the, the right, right reasons, and with a sincere heart, what did God say? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to favor you. Um, and she knew God would hear her. Right? So our B for the day today is be a sincere seeker. If you choose to fast and fast and pray and praise together, we'll all go together, right, into one. Choose to be a sincere seeker. Hebrews 11, 16 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So that, that's, our, that's, that's the whole, that, that wraps up the message for us today in this way. We are fervently pursuing our faith, and we can do that in prayer. Another tool in our tool belt is fasting, and it's one Jesus actually mentions in his Sermon on the Mount. And so he thinks it's important, even though we don't practice it very much today. If we're going to start doing that, we should do it in a healthy way, and we want to make sure that you can do that, because when we start when we have so much faith in him that we are willing to give up something for him, he is going to meet us right where that is and find ways to help us understand what it is he's asking us to do in our lifetime. So we empty ourselves to be filled by him so that he can fill us to empty for others. Right. And this is one way to do it. And it requires faith. It requires a belief that God is going to meet you where you are.
We want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you'd like to support our mission, you can go to www.thejarministries.net and look for the Give button in the top right. Your sponsorship allows us to continue ministering to the least of us in our great city of Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you so much. I am filled to be 